0: Okay. Let me go step far. Oh wait. Where no. sure are you want it? That's good. Okay, Perfect. thank you. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. Um man it's uh it's it's good to see. Man, Kaya continues to grow. Uh and uh, people are uh, engaged in ministry, people are engaged in uh, COD every time we I, I see the list of people signing up from Kaya I mean, we have about 10-15 people signing up uh, for discipleship from our ministry and we're, we're the largest group of people in our church that's doing that and so man I praise God for that I'm, I'm excited what God is doing in Kaya and uh, you know so those walls are coming down pretty soon here you know we're trusting God for that but we're not about the numbers isn't it we about God's glory, uh, and so today we're gonna we're gonna look at five perspectives to spiritual inheritance. Okay, uh, that's no typo there. Joshua thirteen, chapter thirteen to the twenty-one. Okay, so uh, just uh, you know, stretch out your hands, stretch out your head. No, we're not gonna go through all that chapter, but this is this is a, a interesting. There's nine chapters uh, here, and the reason why I, I just put it out there is we're just going to glean from these chapters a, a lot of details into it. If you have ever read the book of Joshua, uh, you would see you know, this, this transition uh, from Moses to Joshua, the leadership from, from Moses to Joshua. And then one thing that you see in the book of Joshua Uh, in uh, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 6, I'll just read it out uh, to you. He said, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. You see, the goal there is for the children of Israel to get this possession of land. And so when you look at the, the whole book of Joshua, there's 24 chapters in total. And then you have this division where you know, the first five chapters deals with the preparation of the children of Israel to go, right? To, to, to prepare themselves spiritually. And you see them, that picture of crossing over Jordan. Right? And, and you see that they're, they, they, they got circumcised again. Okay? A, a picture uh, for us Uh, you know, circumcision of the flesh is circumcision of the spirit and that that process of sanctification. There's five chapters uh, for preparation and five is a picture of what? Numerology. Death and grace. You see that? Death and grace. So there's a a picture there of dying, dying to themselves, getting prepared so that God can use them In those battles, those spiritual battles that you and I have to deal with already now. We don't have to battle in a physical way, in a sense, do we, right? Because the the, the Bible is very clear, right? Uh, We have a spiritual enemy, right? So we don't battle the devil with physically, right? A lot of the battles is in the mind. And the root of those battles comes from a spiritual form. And so God was preparing the children of Israel for this spiritual warfare, uh, for them very physical warfare that they have to deal with. Okay, then you you have the second portion uh, here where, where all the exciting things come. And you read this, you're like, wow, you know, it's amazing what God did, right? You see the the, the walls of Jericho, right? They they march around the walls of Jericho uh, in, in the last seven days, seven times, and the whole wall just fell down and they were able to do the impossible, right? And you see uh, other conquests where, where Joshua would call hailstorm and God would send a hailstorm and defeat the en- enemy in an amazing way. And Joshua trusted the Lord big time and saying, man, we want to finish the job God has called us to do. it." And the sun stood still the whole day. I mean, you read that in the book of Joshua and you see this amazing Stuff that God continues to deliver them, the children of Israel. Why? Because, man, they, they trust the Lord, right? They, they they have they have kind of did that process of sanctification. They they prepared themselves. There's a picture of dying to self. Now they're able to uh, to do all this qu- conquest. Uh, we see from chapter six to chapter thirteen, which has seven chapters, right? And seven is a numerology is what? Perfect, right? And perfect, so the the man may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. You see that? So man, the man be perfect. That's what the goal is. Man, we want to be perfect, not sinless perfection, right? We're never going to be sinless perfection in this time. Why? Because we still have our body. But until our body still breathes, until God calls us home, man, we're still going to have that flesh in us that have that tendency uh, to sin. Okay, but God is calling us to maturity. God is calling us uh, to be perfect, okay? And then you go on to this next division, right? Which is chapter 13 to 21, right? And, and you got nine chapters here. And nine is a, uh, a picture of or numerology, Fruit. Okay, so there you go, right? The inheritance. The inheritance that the whole goal of the book of Joshua, man, God wants them to possess the inheritance. God wants Joshua to divide the inheritance, just as God today, through Jesus Christ, wants to give us an inheritance. And we'll look at those verses in a bit here. But I want to also point out something about these chapters, when you when you read the, the chapters before chapter 6 to 13, you're like, oh man, that's exciting, exciting, great, great, man, you can draw a lot from that. Then when you come to chapter 13, and then guess what you see? It's just to the 12 tribes of Israel, man, to this tribe, I'm gonna give this this land, this land, and it's stretched from here to here, from stretch to there, from here. And it's just that whole nine chapters describes the land. And I'm telling you, if... Have, have anyone read that before? Any hands? Okay, how was that? Was that exciting? <laughs> okay, right? I mean, you're like, what in the world? I mean, you're just like, oh, I'll give you a sample, right? I mean, just, uh uh you know, so... I'll just give you a, a, a sample here. It says, Now therefore, uh, therefore divide this land for an inheritance unto the nine tribes and a half tribes. And then it says, From Aroah that is upon the bank of the river Anon, and the city that is in the midst of the river, and all the plains of Medeba unto Debon, and all the cities of Sihon, kings of the Amorites, which reign in Heshbon, unto the border of children of Ammon and Gilead, and the borders of the Geshurites and Magitites, and all the Mount Hermon, and all Bashan and and to sell car, and then you have all this going. Just like the whole plot of like, it's like, that's good? <laughs> like just plot and plot, you're like, wow, what is up? What is up with that? Like, man, that will put you to sleep, you know? And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, now, if you put yourself in, in their shoes, and we'll just modernize this a bit, right? And if you guys right now, done the conquest, and we're doing a procession of inheritance that you, every one of you, are going to get groups, different Bible study groups are going to get different inheritance, how exciting would that be? Oh, yeah. You'd be like, oh, yeah, man, I'm ready. You know, wh- wh- what is my portion? Is it from, is it from uh, Ward Parkway to, to Leewood, right? We're like, oh, yeah. Oh, hey, you know what? This Bible study you're going to get truth avenue to Paseo, okay? And that's your inheritance. Man, I'm telling you, uh, you're going to be all eyes open, won't you? Because it's like, it's, it's now you, it's personal. And I want to put uh, try to get you to put yourself in their shoes. This is exciting. And you know what? You know, God's word, you know, is, is perfect. And at the same time, God says that, man, if Jesus were to write down everything he's he's done, I mean, man, you can't contain it. You know, so God is specific in choosing verses, chapters, words. He wants to put in to his word that's infallible. And he chose that nine chapters and to us, boring. You see what I'm saying? And it's important. And so... This morning I want to glean from these chapters. Clearly, we can't go over everything, but I want to glean from these chapter and it gives you five perspectives right to our spiritual inheritance. And this is very much uh, to the person who have given their life to Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, this this applies to you. And if you haven't, man, I, I pray that God will still show you something today that God will show you that, man, you need to be enlisted. Uh, to be a born-again believer of Jesus Christ enlisted into the army of God in a a spiritual sense. Amen? So let's pray and uh, ask God for his favor for our message this morning. Uh, Father in heaven, Lord, I I thank you so much again for uh, what you're doing in Kaya. Lord, I I thank you so much for um, our pastor, Brandon Briscoe, Lord, that is... Uh, just been such a blessing in my life personally and Lord uh, he's just an example and an example Lord that I look up to and God I just thank you for what uh, you're doing with him and and all the other leaders uh, in Kaya Lord to push forward to not be complacent uh, Lord with with where we at be okay with where we at but to push through why because Lord, they realize, and, and we need to realize that we're going to give an account at the judgment seat of Christ. And Lord, we don't want to come to that place and say, oh, shoot, uh, I really regret. I, and uh, we don't want to be in that place. And so God, would you, uh, would you convict us this morning? Uh, God, as, as Seth has prayed, Lord, set me aside. Lord, I have nothing to offer, in that, but, but, but what you have done through your word in my life. And so, God, I pray that this will be edifying, and, Lord, that our faith uh, will be challenged uh, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so uh, I always have a hard time pronouncing this word, Deuteronomy. Okay, I think I got it. Okay, so so in this chapter, I won't mention that. Again. <laughs> okay, uh, so uh, I think I put up that verse over there. Okay, so there's a purpose for God saving the children of Israel, right? And so the children of Israel was in bondage uh, in, in, in Egypt, right? It's a picture of the lost world. Under, under the under Pharaoh, this evil king, which is a picture of Satan. And Satan has them in bondage, just as today. Satan has the lost people in bondage, right? Trying to make it through their good works, trying to do things in their own way and, and trying to find their way to success and happiness, but all the time having a void, right? And the, what we see here in the Old Testament is God s- rescued them from Egypt, right? Through miracle, through Moses. And they got out, but, but there is a purpose of getting them out in Exodus, okay? So we read in this chapter, in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6 and verse 21, And says, Then thou shalt say unto thy sons, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. Okay, and here's the key. And he brought us out from thence, that He might bring us in. See? Brought us out, that He might bring us in to give us the land which He swore unto our fathers. Okay? So this is really, really key. And I need you to get this concept because otherwise, uh, man, you, you will lose the whole plot of this message. You see, God's purpose for us as, as Christians is not just to save you. See, it's not just about salvation. You see, God has a bigger plan for our life. And that includes inheritance for us, right? And, and, and you know, just as you can relate, you know, a physical parent wants to give inheritance to their children. And, and, and probably talk about this, even to children's children. And as a father, as, as, as a perfect father, God wants to give. Inheritance, And he wants the maximum inheritance that his children can get. That's why he promised Abraham that. He promised it, you know. And you know what that inheritance would do for God? It would bring him, what, glory. You see, I mean, I say, man, if you are a parent, and if your uh, uh, son or daughter, right, becomes successful in what they do, what does that bring you? It brings you joy, it brings you pride and glory in that sense, not in a bad way. But you want, you want your kids to be successful in the same way our Father in heaven wants us, man, to have inheritance. And here we have a picture, of course, physical for us, spiritual. In Genesis chapter 12 and verse 7, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto, uh, and said unto thy seed, Will I give this land? And there he built he an altar on the Lord who appeared unto him. Okay, so this promise was given to Abraham. Now, let's move on to the the New Testament side of things, right? New Testament. In the book of Acts, chapter 26 and verse 16, this is the context of here, is that Paul just got saved, okay? And he says this. This is a commission that God has for Paul. He said, but rise... And stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. Okay, and here's the key to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. You see that? And, and this is to the Gentiles. Paul, uh, God is sending Paul into the Gentiles. We see that more cross-reference uh, in, in, the, in the New Testament, Colossians chapter 3, verse 24. Says, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord. First Peter chapter one four is not there, but I'll just I'll just mention it to you. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. You see that? Uh, you get the picture of inheritance that God man wants his children. To have inheritance. To succeed. Amen. What? For the glory of God. Okay. So, we're going to look at five perspectives. Four of these perspectives are more on a negative sense. And then the last perspective is a positive sense. Okay? So, stay with me. Uh, Perspective number one. Perspective number one. I believe God, but I will still prioritize my needs hopes and dreams okay turn to uh, the book of Numbers chapter 32 the book of Numbers and chapter 32 and we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 5 okay you see you see these two and a half tribes uh, getting an opportunity right to decide whether man I want God's best for me or do I want my best for me today okay are you guys there Numbers 32, chapter, well, chapter 32, verse 1 to 5. And it says, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that, that behold, the place was a place for cattle, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spoke unto Moses and to Eleazar, the priests and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, Atharoth, and Debon, and Jazer, and Nimrah, and Heshbon, and Eliah, and Shebam, and Nebo, and beyond, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel, is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. Wherefore say they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servant for possession, and bring us not over Jordan. You see that? You see that these two and a half tribes? They are in the cuff of getting into the promised land. Right? This is the place that God has promised Abraham. And they have gone through so much. I mean, their fathers right, was in the wilderness. And they didn't get to get in because of unbelief. And now they have that opportunity to seize the moment and go and trust the Lord to get in. And yet, right before they get into the promised land, they saw this land and like, oh my goodness. This is me. This is uh, man, I got cows. There's a lot of grass here. is that, hilly. The, you know, the cows can have a good exercise on the hills. You know, we're going to have good cows. Man, let's do that. Let's, let's ask our leaders and, 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 and get, get this land instead of the one that God has for us. You see that problem? I mean, they completely miss the point of Exodus. Remember what we just talked about earlier? What's the point of Exodus? To get out of Egypt and to get in to the promised land. That God has for them. And you know very well, you know, this, this the, 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 the stats uh, for people going into the promised land and doing anything meaningful for the Lord is pretty low. Do you know the stats of that? Many of you do. It's just crazy to me. That's the, I mean, that's the picture, right? Narrow is the way. Man, no one wants to take that, that hard path. Right, those difficult decisions to reserve and, and you know, God in their heart, right? You know, two only two of the original uh, uh, people from from um, Egypt, right? Went into the Promised Land. Who are they? Joshua, <laughs> <laughs> Joshua and Caleb, right? So two two out of like at least two million. Two out of at least two million people, you know, uh, didn't 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 get in, and and um, and all those that are above uh, twenty-one years old or twenty-one years old uh, didn't get in. And God waited, God waited for them to to die off in the wilderness, you know, before they actually get in. You know, because they didn't believe God and say, "Well, okay, you didn't believe me." Okay, well. You won't get to see the promised land. What I have reserved for you. And what is so crazy here? They were so close to it, and yet they missed it completely. To get out of Egypt, they thought it was sufficient. Now they want to. They don't want to get in. Okay. And and so what we see in verse uh, seven. Uh, let's let's start from verse six. 6 to 15, okay? This is Moses' rebuke to uh, these two and a half tribes, these two tribes. Um, and wherefore, and, sorry, it's verse 6, And Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war, and, and, and shall ye sit here? And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them, Thus did your father, when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land, for when they went up into the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord got, which the Lord had given them. And the Lord's anger was kindled at the same time, and he swore, saying, Surely none of the men that came up Of Egypt from 21 years and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, save Caleb the son of Japhunah, the Kenazite, and Joshua the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. And behold, ye are risen up in your father's stead, an increase of sinful men, to augment yet the fierce anger of the Lord toward Israel. For if ye turn away from after him, he would yet again leave them in the wilderness, and ye shall destroy all these people. Okay, you see, so Moses given a, a pretty serious rebuke, didn't he? Right? I mean, pretty serious rebuke. Man, I mean, remember what God did to the, to your fathers? Remember all the death that happened? Remember? Uh, man, they, they didn't get to see the promise and all that. It's a pretty serious rebuke. But how did they respond to that rebuke? How did they respond to the rebuke? Well, their solution right was a compromise solution. You see, what they say was this in verse 17, but we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them unto their place, and our, and, and our little ones shall dwell in the fenced cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return unto our houses until the children of Israel have inherited every man his inheritance, for we will not inherit with them on yonder side of Jordan or Ford, because our inheritance fallen to us this side of eastward, you know, and so that was their 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 solution. That was their response, a compromising one. You see that? We would just oh, we'll, we'll work out something. You know, we'll still worship God, but we'll still have this on the side. You see, we let's 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 work out a solution. Well, so. Uh, how did it work out for them? Well, we see that in Joshua uh, chapter 22, right? So from Joshua chapter, um, um, where were we earlier? Um, when 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 they went out, Joshua 1, uh, Joshua 1, they went out with the children of Israel, all the way to chapter 22. We saw all the preparation. We saw all the miracles. We saw all the conquests, right? They did all the work. Um, and guess what? They had to leave the promised land. Look at uh, Joshua twenty-two verse nine. I think I have that on, on the on the screen as well. Joshua ch- chapter twenty-two and verse nine. And so by chapter uh, twenty-one, end of chapter twenty-one, they have pretty much uh, divided the lands unto the twelve tribes of Israel, right? And so now the it's done. It's done. And now these two-and-a-half tribes needs to go back, uh, go back to the east side of Jordan. Can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine everything they saw? I mean, can you imagine like just the, the, the disappointment they would have had, right? After they've seen everything that God has done, after they've seen the land flowing with milk and honey, Right, and then now they have to go back into the other, the east side of Jordan. Do you see that picture? So again, think of, think of Leewood again. Okay, the uh, best place in the, or whatever that best place is for you, and then you have to go back to the slums. Right? Think of that. How would that make you feel? And and by the way, and you have to also do all the work then they have to do all the work. They were there. They were with the children of Israel having to do all the work, yet their reward wasn't there in the end. You see that problem, right? So Christians, man, what? Be careful. Be careful for what you ask for, right? You have to still do the work. The idea is you have to still do the work of the ministry, but in the end, you end up getting actually a lesser deal In fact, it was a really bad deal for them. See, uh, Joshua chapter 22 and verse 9, let me read that to you. And the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh returned and departed from the children of Israel out of Shiloh, which is the land of Canaan, to go unto the country of Gilead, to the land of their possession, whereof they were possessed according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Okay, so if you do a study on the word Shiloh, okay, this is, this is a place of peace. This is a place of fertile land that we talked about. Shiloh is a, it, you know, it's a word that even depicts uh, the Messiah, right? To be close to Messiah, okay? And guess what Gilead, this place that they have to return back to means? It means rocky, stones, hills, okay? So see that? Shiloh, peace, Messiah, right? Fertile land. And then you have Gilead, stony, rocky, hilly, okay? And then if you ever look at the parable of the sower, you know the parable of the sower, right? There's different lands, different types of soil. How well does the stony ground works? right? Not too well, man. They can grow a bit of, you know, they can start growing and blossoming really quickly, right? Which is what this two and a half tribe, uh, you know, started off, started off somewhat okay, right? But then stony ground, man, they made bad choices, right? And then you know what? They're in Gilead where they're never going to grow roots in that place, they're never going to grow roots in that place. And you you, you see that as disappointment and they have to justify it. So when you, when you read further along in the book of Joshua, you see that on their way back with disappointment, they had to even build an altar. They had to build an altar. Right? For, for who? For their children. And that altar, it is called a, a witness. A witness that they had somehow contributed, and they did. Right? To the, you know, so that it can be an altar, a, a postmark for their children to think that their father has done something good. You see that picture there? But in fact, uh, they compromise. They compromise. And so now they have to justify it, building an altar so that their children can see, oh man, our parents, our parents did the work too. Don't forget that. Right? But actually, you know, their children probably would see through that hypocrisy, right? Why are we still here, Dad, Mom? You know, well, because Mom and Dad made poor decisions. And now they're just having this altar to prove that, you know, they had done something good. You see that? Okay, so... uh, one other interesting observation with this, this is the, also the, the tribes that also die first. You know, as we look at uh, further along the Old Testament, we see that they were the first to fall to the enemy. Second Kings chapter 10, verse 32, you can jot down that reference. It says, in those days the Lord began to cut Israel short. Guess, guess who was in the short list? And Hazel smote them in all the coasts of Israel, from Jordan, Israel, and the land of Gilead the Gadites and the Reubenites and the Manasite from Aero, which is by the river Anon, even Gilead, and Baishan. Very interesting, isn't it? First people to get to get white, you know, to to get uh, cut. Who was that two and a half tribe? Why? Well, they can't grow. Why? Because they've probably fallen into idolatry. You see, because they, they live in a compromising position to begin with. They were serving two masters. Right? One master is like, what I want, my gain. And that to them is cattle, right? Their economy was cattle. That was what's precious to them, you know? And cattle in that time means money. And today still, I mean, how much does the cow sell these days? 4,000, <laughs> 5,000 bucks per cow? I don't know. It's a lot of money from what I know of, right? So, man, that was their deal, you know, so my question and my challenge to you this morning is what is your cow? What is your economy? What is your gain? Right? Brandon did a, did a really good article about the, the root of all evil is the love of money. Is 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 gain. They thought gain is godliness. Right? They thought this would work out and maybe somehow they could sell cows and help God. I don't know. I mean, that's pure speculation right now. <laughs> right? Sometimes we think our, our good intentions could help out God. And, and, and actually, you know what? That's exactly my own uh, testimony. So when I first got saved, right? Uh, man, just, just very naive and everything. But I always had a head for business, I always liked business. And always, you know, I come from a line of businessmen in my house, uh, in my home, and and so for me, when I got saved, my thought was, you know what, I'm going to be the most successful businessman, and I'm going to help God out. That was, you know, good intention, right? But that was my position. I was like the two and a half tribes. I'm going to help God out by helping me out. (laughs) You see that? You see that? Right? That's what the two and a half trucks is about, man. Is 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 helping them out because of cattle. You see that? So challenge for you today is what is your cow? What is the thing that, that can come along in your life and you say, Oh my goodness, this is compatible. This is compatible with everything I, I, I I've been born for, and therefore <laughs> I gotta do this, you know, and God will understand. Well, no. God has has put His will very clear in Scripture. You know, be fruitful and multiply. and, And that has to be close to Shiloh. That has to be close to Jesus Christ. That has to be close to the Word, centered in the Word of God. And not my ideas, not my hopes, not my dreams. You know, all of that is fine. I'm not condemning your career, your education, your aspiration in any sense in that way, but is it submitted under God, right? Is that just a means to serve God rather than a means to an end? You see what I'm saying? Because very easily we, we do that under the pretense that it is serving God. Hey, I'm going to be a doctor to be a medical missionary. And it really sounds great, right? But in the end, it was actually about that, You see? Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying Connor is going to do that. <laughs> I pray that Connor doesn't do that. Right? But the temptation can be there. The temptation is all around us. And if we're not careful, oh boy. You know, you land into Gilead. And, and then for the rest of your life, you're not going to grow. You're going to be stagnant. And then there's a picture of death. We see for them. Okay, so key point number one what you thought was the best idea only lasts a season of satisfaction. Then it brings sorrow and the need to justify it. What you thought was the best idea only lasts a season of satisfaction, then it brings sorrow and the need to justify it. And, and, and Solomon puts it really well. You know, Solomon, King Solomon, he had everything. He had the, the cash, he had the real estate, he has the woman and everything. And what did he say in the end? Vanity. vanity. Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. He got it all. Yet it was vain. It was empty. He wasn't satisfied. And so the things that you think might be good, man, maybe only. Just very temporal. And in the end, it doesn't satisfy you. Okay, let's move on to perspective number two. Okay, perspective number two. When things are going well, I can afford to get complacent and sin. Okay? When things are going well, I can afford to get complacent and sin. We see. I'll read out two verses for you. One is posted up there. This is to Ephraim and Manasseh, the tribe of Ephraim and Manasseh. Joshua 16, verse 10, And they drave not out the Canaanite that dwell in Gezer, but the Canaanite dwelt among the Ephraimites unto this day, and serve under tribute. Joshua chapter 17, and verse 13 says, Yet it came to pass, when the children of Israel were waxen strong, that they put the Canaanites to tribute, but did not utterly drive them out what were they called to do? To drive them out. Why? Because God says, don't mingle. Don't make a league, because you're going to fall for their idols. You're going to fall for their gods. Right? And, and, and here, what did, they, what did they do? So they, they were waxing strong. Joshua chapter 7, 17 verse 13 say they were waxing strong. So they had good momentum going into this. And they should be able to just finish the job, right, that they started. Yet, yeah? what did they do? they put the Canaanites to tribute. And tribute here is not the tribute you see uh, in the New Testament in the sense of uh, getting, giving a Levi a tax to Caesar, right? It's not just a financial. This is actually hard labor. When you read the context, when you read the, 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 the word, it's actually hard labor. And that was, was modeled back in Joshua chapter 9. You know, when they... Um, You know, was tricked by the Gibeonites uh, that you know they were good neighbors, but they were not good neighbors, and they made a league with them. And then Joshua made them hewer of wood and hewer of water. Okay, and here they're like, man, things are going great, things are going good, but then they got complacent. They they made their life easy. Right? They're trying to make their life easy. So, oh, okay, you know what? We, we don't have to kill you all. You can carry water for me. You can carry wood for me. How about that? Cool? And so, man, that sounds really good. Right? I mean, like, just take advantage of the situation. <laughs> right? Oh, man, very, very, uh, you know, what's the word? If, um, efficient. Right? But that's not what God called them to do. You see? And they got complacent, and then that complacency allowed them to then sin against God by making league with the, the people that God asked them to destroy. You see? Man, that is that is a bad idea. And I put up a a a um, a little graphic there. This is the cycle of sin that is very, very common. Even till to today, right? So what happened? God, God will bless, you know. God will bless because that's who He is. He, 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 He's love. He's, He's a giver. You know, He died for us. He put His life on the line. And then, and then, what, what, what? You know, things are going well. We get complacent, right? We get complacent. Oh, things are going well. And then we leave room for laziness. We leave room to make provision. To sin. You know, it doesn't just happen that quickly, you know that, right? It's always like, oh yeah, you know, things are good. Then I can just make room for other stuff. They sin, and when they sin, they cry out to God, right? And then, man, just misery and misery. God then ends up blessing them, and guess what? They get complacent again. And then that (laughs) complacency leads to them to get to sin. Right? Do you, do you do you Does this resonate to you guys at all? Because man, it definitely resonates with me. You know, just this idea, man. When things are going well, man, I can just chill. You know, maybe 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 two Netflix, maybe three Netflix, you know, and four Netflix, and then suddenly an R-rated movie, right? Okay, or, or this and that, and then from there you lead to sin. Right? Again, not against Netflix, and not against. Uh, enjoyment or entertainment, but you know what I'm talking about, right? When when Kaya is going, well, what do we do? Just, oh yeah, man, it's great. No, no, no. Man, we want to keep pressing on to the mark, to the high calling that God has for us. Is the job done? Are people all safe in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in other countries? Man, far from it. And yet somehow we get into this, this, this place of complacency and, 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 and we think it's okay. You know, coming to church, right, just within the church wall, you know, we can get complacent too. You can come to church in and out and i tell you what, you, because you're like, oh man, I heard that before, I grew up in church, and you can get complacent. And so when people are preaching, when Bible studies are happening, you know what, the word doesn't cut you. Because you're complacent, oh, I heard it before. You see? And what happens? The Word doesn't get into you and get what, what's going to happen that comes out of you. Flesh. And flesh will produce sin and sin will produce death in your life. I go to church, but yet, man, my life is messed up. Complacency, right? Complacency. And and you, you know what the... Um, Okay, so let, let's, let's look at just key point number two. Key point number two is the goal of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not comfort, but Christ-likeness. Okay, the goal of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not comfort, but Christ-likeness. You see, the flesh is always after comfort, right? The, the, the flesh is always after the path of least resistance, but is this flesh ever going to get better? No. You know, when I first got saved 20 years ago, right, to today, my flesh has not got better. It has the same ability and capacity to sin. You know that? I can, I mean, <laughs> it's not even appropriate to share it here in this forum, right? It's just, it's not good. The, the flesh, you know, in the flesh have no good thing. You know, and, and how do I live in the spirit is through this word. Right? The Bible says, "What well, our mind needs to be renewed. Right? Do not be I beseech uh, Romans chapter twelve and verse one, right? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as right, living sacrifice, wholly, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, reasonable service. Okay? And it says, Do not and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See? Man, we need the word every day. We need the word every day. And we need it in a way that cuts us and, 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 and convicts us. Not in like, hey, you know, a, a verse a day, a chapter a day keeps the devil away. Right? That kind of mindset doesn't work. It's a checkbox exercise. That's complacency. Oh, I went to church. I got my religious duties done. That's, that's complacency. I want to come to Bible studies. I want to get into the Word. I want to come to church, man, ready to be broken by God. Ready to be broken so that He can mold me, that He can restore me. Right? That's what I want, man. Because my flesh is resisting that all the time. I just want to have comfort, you know, as much as I can. And, and it's not about that. Okay, so perspective number three. When things get difficult, it is easy, easier to just give up and do nothing. And this is perspective in relation to your inheritance. When things get difficult, it is easier to just give up and do nothing. And So let's read two verses here. Um, and uh, Joshua chapter 15 and verse 63 and for the Jebusites the inhabitants of Jerusalem the children of Judah could not drive them out but the Jebusite dwelt with the children, children of Judah at Jerusalem unto this day Joshua 18 and verse 2 is I think up the screen and there remain among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are ye slack to go possess the land which the Lord God of your father hath given you? See, they were in the promised land. Now they just have to go do the work. Right? They're already there. They had great momentum going into that. Right? But they now just need to do the work. They just need to do the work. You know the Bible, we always like to quote Ephesians chapter two, eight and nine, don't we? For by grace are you saved through faith, and this is not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should should boast. But man, we don't read
1: the the
0: chap the verse after that. What does it say? That we're safe unto what? Good works. You know works? You know what work is in, in, in Greek? It means work. Right? <laughs> it means work. Work is work. It's labor. I mean, people, I'm, I'm telling you, uh people have this idea, man. I, I love the, the idea of missions, I love the idea, you know, the romantic idea of 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 you know being a minister or this and that, right? But then when it comes to the work, the work of it, man you're like, oh I don't know about that. Coming here you know, every... When do you guys practice now? What? 745. 7.45. and then you have another practice before, right? On Saturday. On Saturday, so you have practice on Saturday, then you have to get earlier here. Is it that... I mean, is it easy? Uh-uh. <laughs> it's not easy. It's, it's work. It's work. It's work. You know? And I'm telling you... Uh, Unfortunately, sometimes Christians take this idea of grace you know, too, too far and think that we don't have to do any work. <clears throat> oh, it's just by grace, you know, and God will just work it out. No, God also called you unto good works. He called you into good works. He called you to be a good testimony at your job place. You know, many times, you know why Christians are not effective minister at their workplace? Because they don't work. They don't work hard. They don't necessarily get along with people, right? They, they do not see themselves as, "Hey, you know what? I'm serving my employer like I serve the Lord Jesus Christ." That concept of like serving with all, all of me is not present in the average Christian person. But when we see the saints before us, we see Paul, I mean, my goodness. Night and day praying, night and day crying, shipwreck, stone, not that kind of stone, um, and, and 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 you know, just all kinds of work that he has to endure, right? That's sometimes missing, right? And the very the, the very concept of discipleship that we read in in 2 Timothy chapter two and verse two of making disciples, right? Do you know that verse really well? Right? The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. Commit thou to faithful men who will teach others also. The verse right after that is what? Endure hardness. It says, Second 2 Timothy 2.3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure hardness. There's going to be work. You know? And that work is not just, again, I'm not talking about legalism here. I'm not talking about the works to get favor from the Lord. I'm talking about faith that produces work. And that work is hard. The work is hard. It's not easy. Dealing with people is not easy. You know, they say the best ministry is where there's no people in there. Right? Because when you have people, you have problems. Right? So there's going to be a lot of work. Everyone has layers of issues and problems and past stuff. and, And they need someone alongside them to model for them what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's work. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. You know, to teach something like this on Sunday, no big deal. But to see me every day and watch me every day and to to help someone, you know, that's work. You know, sometimes to train someone to do something, right? Can I get a witness, right? To train someone to do something is double the work that you have. It's not, it's it's hard work. Okay, I think you get the point. Right? Jesus finished His work of discipleship before He went to the cross. Jesus finished His work at the cross as well. Jesus is a starter and He's a finisher. Right? We need to be the same. Uh, So key point number three. There is no shortcuts to spiritual growth or fruit. Right? There is no shortcut to spiritual maturity of, of fruit, right? It man, it's faith, and then that faith produces work that works, produces experience, tribulations, and that that tribulation produces patience, and that, that patience produces hope. I just quoted Romans chapter five verse three, right? That's how you grow, right? When things come in your way, then you, you God's like, oh, I can't do it. That work is too much for you. For me, then you cry out to the Lord, God, I can't deal with these people. They are nuts. They are crazy. I can't deal with them. Yeah, good, you're in a good place. That's why you need to cry out to the Lord. Then he's like, okay, let me show you. Okay, let me show you. Let me bring someone along your side. Let me help you. That's what we need. That's what we all need. Okay. Perspective number four. I'm entitled to God's blessing. This is, again, to inheritance, right? I'm entitled to God's blessing because I'm awesome. You think this is a joke, but it's not, right? So so turn to the book of Joshua chapter 17, right? We're just going to glean a bit here. Chapter 17, and let's go to verse 14. And it says, And the children of Joseph spake unto Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit, seeing I am a great people, for as much as the Lord hath blessed me hitherto? I mean, wow! You see that? Right? Like, man, this one lot for me, I'm, I'm awesome! What are you doing, Joshua, Okay, this this by the way, I mean this may not manifest expressly outwardly, but inside sometimes many of us think like that. Okay, be resident. Okay, okay. All right, their assessment very interesting. Their assessment of themselves is way up here, man, and really they are not all that. And if we look at we look at we compare scripture to scripture, we see. Uh, in the book of Numbers, when they numbered the people, the different tribes, you know Manasseh and Ephraim, which, which, which they say, man, I'm a great people, they're only like 32,000 and 40,000. Okay, good number, really great. I mean, cool. But compared to the other tribes, they were about just half the size. See, Judah was 74,000. Uh, you know, the children of Daniel was 62,000. So they weren't really that great people compared to the other people. But they see themselves like, man, I am great and you should give me more. See, this, this idea of entitlement, you should give me more. Man, I, 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 I grew up all in the church and I knew I know about the Bible, you should make me a ministry leader. You know, very, we have to be very, very careful uh, with this mindset, you know, Even in discipleship, we talk about discipleship, discipleship pairing. Do you know that we are fortunate that we have people coming and 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 we have this pairing process? Right? And it's, it's it's awesome, praise the Lord for that. But do you know that it's not a right? You know, pairing pairing you with a disciple, it's not your right. Do you do you get what I'm saying? It's not a right, it's a privilege. You know, to have that mindset, man, I'm entitled to a disciple. Man, I, I already gone through D2, i already gone through D1. Man, bring me the disciples. Right? Man, I, I, I'm ready to go. Man, okay, if that attitude, even if we smell that, man, no way. <laughs> right? We're not going to pair you up with anyone. Right? And, uh, and it's a privilege. To disciple someone is a privilege and we can't have this self-entitlement uh, mindset. Okay, so key point here. Do not think highly of yourself nor make many excuses. Do the work of ministry quietly and faithfully. Then let God promote you in due time. Right? Do your work quietly. First Thessalonians 4.11 And that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands. Do the work. Do the work of the ministry. God will promote you. You don't even have, have to worry about that it will be evident. People will see it. You know, and, and you don't have to tell anyone, really. People will see it. Okay, so, um, perspective number five, last perspective. Okay, so this is the positive one. So this person is full of faith and is willing to do the hard work of sowing and waiting to see it come to pass. Okay, again, this person is full of faith and is willing to do the hard work of sowing and and waiting to see God's promise come to pass, we have several uh, people like that in between the uh, book of Joshua, thirteen to twenty-one. But we're going to just cover one, and that's Caleb. Okay, Caleb was one of those people. See Joshua chapter fourteen. If you want to go there real quick, Joshua chapter fourteen. It says uh, in verse seven, chapter fourteen, and verse seven. Uh, to eight, forty years old was I when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went out with me made their heart of the people now, but I, wholly, followed the Lord. I wholly followed the Lord. What's the context? If there was two, you know. They were, again, in the cuff of getting into the Promised Land. Uh, Moses sent out 12 spies from each tribe. They go out from Kadesh Baniya, right? And, and and they came back, and 10 of the 12 representatives came back just scared because they saw giants in the land, and they were like grasshoppers to them. Although the, the, the land was great, it was flowing with milk and honey. The fruit of it was great, but oh boy, oh boy, I... They're they're too fearful. They can't trust the Lord. Even after everything that God has done, coming to this point, still they're like, oh, fear captivated them. But you know what? Not for Caleb. Caleb followed the Lord. You know, and and you know what? His conviction was great. His conviction was one that was authentic. His conviction to (laughs) obey God was authentic. And therefore, he was able to speak, you know, of that situation. They were like, Oh, we can't do this. You know what, what, what uh, Caleb did in Numbers 13, verse thirty, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it. For we were able to overcome it. That's a man of faith. That's a man of confidence. That's a man full of optimism. Let's let's do it and let's do it now. We need Caleb's, right? Not wait, not trying to. Man, they already done. Man, go, right? It's amazing. Proverbs twenty-eight verse one: The wicked flee when no man pursueth. No one was pursuing them, right? But the righteous are bold as lion, and Caleb was that. He was righteous. He trusted the Lord, and it's like let's go. He didn't let the giant scare him. All the work of doing all this conquering overwhelm him, right? He's like, okay, I see it. It's a big task. It's a tall order. But my God it's big enough. Let's go. What are we waiting for? You see? Let's go. Let's go to the campuses. What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Let's go. It's open. His conviction against sin was authentic. Ooh, time. His conviction against sin was authentic, right? So we see here that even after that, that speech, the children of Israel were still just like, oh, no, 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 we can't do it. And they caused other people's heart to melt. And, and all the children of Israel were crying the whole night. And they were just sobbing and they say, hey, you know what, let's make captains of us and let's go back to Egypt. That's what happened in the book of Numbers. Let's go back to Egypt. You know, God brought us all the way here just to kill us. You see, they, they they just completely missed the point that God has a plan for them, has inheritance for them, and yet they they kind of blew it. And and you know what? His conviction for against sin was authentic. You know what the Bible says? He says that he rent his clothes, which is, which is, which is a picture of just sorrow and grief for his brethren who's unwilling to follow the Lord. He spoke out against them again, right? And this time the children of Israel was, was like, hey, just stone them. Just stone them. Bait them with stones, the Bible said. Stone them. They don't know what they're doing. Look at we have all these people crying, all these people wanting to go and you say we have to go to this place and commit suicide against these giants? stone these people and, and God has to intervene that very moment. And God's like, man, I'm done with these people. I'm done. And he was when Moses interceded and the whole situation was pacified. But man, his conviction against sin was authentic and so must us. We cannot be okay with sin in our life. We gotta call sin, sin and not call it something else. And this world is turning that upside down. Sin it's not sin, you know, good is evil, evil is good, everything is not clear. No, sin is sin, and you got to stand up for it, even in a case where someone will stone you. And I'm telling you, we are coming to a place in time that people will do harm to you. Be ready for that. You know, we're going to Vietnam um, this summer, and, uh, and I, I told our, our, our group of people, I say, hey, you guys have to accept the possibility of us going to jail. Do you know that? Yeah, you know, you have to accept the possibility of this going to jail. You know, it's part of it, you know, because there is risk going to a place where people uh, consider it, you know, proselytizing, proselytizing illegal, okay? So, so, last thing here, Joshua 14, verse 10 to 12, his conviction stood the test of time and trial. You see? Why? Because it was authentic to begin with. For 45 years, that dude waited. 45 years! Can you imagine that? I mean, like, you're you're with all these doofus who doesn't want to follow the Lord, and you have to wait 45 years to, to see the promised land? You follow me? Right? It would have been reasonable for Caleb to complain, but he did not. It would have been reasonable for Caleb to lose hope, but he did not. It would have been reasonable for Caleb to be bitter against his brethren, but he did not. It would have been reasonable for Caleb to be bitter against God, but he did not, even though he's much older. He's ready, and you know what? Uh, He did great things. God rewarded him greatly. So key point number five, a man who wholly follows the Lord will be able to achieve exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. A man who holds his the Lord. So are you willing to wait on the Lord? That's, that's work. That's faith. That requires a ton of faith. How long can you wait for the Lord? One day? Two days? How about 45 years? Right? If God will have you to wait that, would you wait for Him? Okay, so we'll close with this. What if, you, if you're if you in a place where you're not full of faith? You're like, you know what? Andrew, I resonate with the first four, not, not so much with five, man. I, Man, I'm just to and fro, man. I'm just not grounded. I always give in to the next best thing that comes in, and I do that. Okay, so what do you do? So Joshua has a remedy for that. Okay, so turn to Joshua chapter 18 as we close. Joshua chapter 18 and verse 8. Okay, so this is responding to the people. It's like, oh, we, we're slacking. We're not doing anything. And this is what the remedy that uh, Joshua gave them. Uh, you can cross-reference that to verse 4. It's the same thing. But this is their response to Joshua's bidding. Okay? And Joshua is a picture of Christ. Okay, so here, here we go. Verse 8. And the men arose and went away. And Joshua charged them that they went to describe the land, saying, Go and walk through the land, and describe it, and come again to me, that I may be here, cast lots for you before the Lord in Shiloh. Okay, so I'm going to give you three quick points, and I want you to jot them down. Okay, and the men arose. Okay, so so now Joshua's calling them to go send them to these lands. So the first thing we need to do, right? You hearing me? The first thing we need to do is get up out of your safe place. Get up out of your safe place. We have to be purposefully get out of mediocrity in order to take possession that God has promised us. We have to rise up. That's the first thing that Joshua tells them. Rise up. Be intentional. Get out of your comfort place. Okay. Second, go and walk through the land. Go and walk through the land. Okay, so what do you do? Walk, just walking around your house? No. Go walk through every area of your life. Walk through every area of your life. Take a retreat. Take a one-on-one retreat with the Lord. Go and walk through every area of your life and allow God to reveal areas in your life that He hasn't possessed. You follow me? Right? God, man, God wants all of us. But many times we're just like, eh, not this part. Not not that part, God. We we need to walk through what areas of our life that we haven't let God possess, okay? Psalms one thirty-nine, verse twenty-three, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. God search me. Why am I not growing? Why why is everyone seem to be doing like, man, they're on fire for the Lord. And, and, and me, I, I, man, not me, I'm always stagnant. Well, take a retreat. Go walk every area of your life. Ask God to search your heart. What What is the area in your life that you need to give possession to the Lord? And the last thing, it says, tell Joshua. Describe it and come again to me. Okay, so Joshua, a type of Jesus Christ. Tell Joshua, Jesus, what you see. Okay, so once you investigate the land in your life. This is the area in my life, man, that absolutely I have not given to the Lord. And that is restricting my inheritance that God has in store for me. Then tell it to Jesus. Now, Jesus already know What does He want you to do? He just wants you to agree with Him. Right? That's what confess- confession is. Confession is just agreeing with God. So confess to Him and say, God, this is... This is, this, these are the areas. Pour your heart out to Him. And then allow Him to change you. Right? Today. Get, get, get some accountability with another brother or sister in Christ. Right? Because, man, we, we don't have to walk alone. God has made a provision through the local church, the leadership uh, here, man, willing uh, so much to, to help someone out. Right? Whether you're going through marriage issues or some of you who are, who are married... Schools and so forth, man. There are people here that are ready, willing to to help them. Uh, let's close uh, in prayer. Uh, Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you so much uh, for this morning, and Lord, how um, you have used this to teach me, uh, Lord, to to trust you, to be a man full of faith. Lord, I want to be Caleb. Lord, I want to have contentment in you. Lord, I want to wait for you no matter how long it takes. Because God, you are a promise-keeping God. You keep all your promises. And Lord, we know that you are a good God, you're a good Father, and you've already proven that on the cross. Yes, you have. And you repeated that so many times throughout Scripture. You want to divide that inheritance. You want us to reign with you. That's your heart. And so God, please release us from lukewarmness. Release us from that. Help us to search our heart and know the, the wicked way in this, Lord, and, and lead us to the way everlasting. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.